Hi, I am Olumide Olainka. A big hello and welcome to the Startup Lagos podcast. A podcast dedicated to highlighting the bubbling scene of the growing startup community of the city of Lagos. On the show, get to hear inspiring stories from founders, entrepreneurs, investors, corporates, and other ecosystem stakeholders. To subscribe to us, visit podcast.startuplagos.co. Stay tuned with us. Stay pumped. So, without further ado, I'm going to get right into why we are here, why we're seated here, and why we've been waiting for so long. Now, the title of this session is Transforming Retail Together, Starting Globally, Starting Locally, and Selling Globally. I'm going to repeat it again. Transforming Retail Together, Starting Locally, and Selling Globally. Um, earlier, Khadija was telling me that this is a little bit confusing. Yes, and I agree. I was a little bit confused at first. Um, so I'm going to explain what this is. Now, what we're used to with sales and buying stuff was the brick and mortar stores. No matter how young or old you are in Nigeria, you're used to the shops where you have to go and buy something and give them cash and they give you change, right? But over the years, things have changed like things have changed drastically. You know, I look back and I am surprised like how far we've come in terms of retail, how e-commerce has revolutionized sales and a lot of things. Now, this is just with the swipe of a card, with the touch of a button, you can buy stuff, you can pay for stuff without just two clicks. You bought, you've paid, and you've received your goods. So with this shifting media landscape, we want to discuss the challenges you face as you start selling online and step-by-step processes to succeed at e-commerce. And I'm going to ask you please to pay attention, to take notes if possible, and ask questions when it's time for questions. Thank you very much. So I'm going to invite panelists for this session um, to the stage. And first of all, I have Khadija Abu. Khadija is the Head of Product Partnership at Paystack. Please give her a round of applause as she comes to the stage. Please clap for Khadija, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Have a seat. Thank you for coming. Um, second, I have Ketura Ovio. She's the founder of Ketura.com, an e-commerce platform. Please give her a round of applause for Ketura. Let's clap with more hearts. Let's encourage them as they come to the stage, please. Thank you very much. Um, I have Onyida Mola Bangbola. She's the marketing manager at Showbids. Please give Onyi a round of applause. Thank you very much. Last but not the least, I have my Oga, Mr. Tunde Oniludi. Tunde is the product planning and enterprise channel manager at Solo Phones. Please give Tunde a round of applause. Please, let's clap now. Please, now. Please, please, please. Let's encourage everybody. Thank you. Welcome, sir. Yes, you are the only guy on the panel. And apparently, we will need one more seat. One more seat. Unless, I mean, unless people want me to stand, which is fine, too. I mean, I can totally stand. Okay. Um, so... Today, we are, like I've already mentioned, we're going to be talking e-commerce. I need a seat. Please. 
I mean, let's stand and be my own choice, right? Give me an option to sit. So today we're going to be talking about how traditional retailers can move from offline, like brick and mortar, online. You know, so if as aficionados, as people that are already in the field, thank you very much, I appreciate it. I'll manage it, don't worry. As people that are already in the field, it's easy to look at these things as, oh, mundane, I mean, day-to-day affairs, but for people that are trying to scale, it can be a little bit challenging. So I'm going to be asking you a couple of questions, and I'm going to start with Ketura, if that's okay. Okay. So first of all, um, what are the trends and opportunities in e-commerce in 2018 and beyond? Trends and opportunities. Just checking. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Ketura Ovio. Um, In answer to your question, I I mean, people, it's been flogged a lot, um, but we are experiencing what I like to call social commerce. So a lot of people buy on social media platforms, or they like to buy on social media platforms. And um, the trends as we have it in 2018 is um, people buy on Instagram mostly, and they're comfortable with doing bank transfers. I mean, my, I remember last year my sister went to give birth in the U.S., and she was in my address Instagram, and have it delivered to me. Hi. Mike, please. I think it's the direction. Um, and she was in the U.S. And she bought a bunch of stuff on Instagram. And it was purely bank transfer. Um, so a lot of... The, it's, it's a lot of... That, um, shop on Instagram. They're comfortable with shopping on Instagram. So um, it, it makes one wonder like, what, where, we, <laughs> where are we heading? I mean, I'm talking about Nigeria. Um, in other countries, it's a different... A lot of people buy solo phones online, right? I know this as a fact. And, but, so I want to know what are the factors that you think lead to customer satisfaction? Like, that generally brings about the total e-commerce experience for the customer from your experience. Hi, my name is Tunde Onilude. For total um, satisfaction on e-commerce, the way it happens in Nigeria is different from the way it happens in other parts of the world, like she mentioned. But the most important thing is for people to be able to trust you. The first thing is that they want to take a risk on your site. And that means that for that risk, risk and trust go hand in hand. The appetite to take a risk is them coming back to trust you. And of course, all of that can be diluted into other processes. So once they trust your platform enough, that's why someone can take a step further and say, you know what, I can input my cards. And I say, okay, I trust you to a good extent, or the feedback I've gotten from other friends of mine has been good enough for me to use your site. So, but if you don't have, if people, you've not given people reason to trust you, right now, today, everybody keeps talking about Amazon, Amazon, and everybody keeps talking about them. But there's a reason why Amazon is where they are today. 25 years in the business is not joke. And they've kept modernizing, keep, kept revolutionizing everything around them. So for me, I tell people, first and foremost, is to get people to trust you. We had that problem when Kunga and Jumia started back years back in Nigeria also. People didn't trust them. People were scared of running their cards. People were scared of frauds, especially, you know, with the way boys are in Nigeria at times also. So it's... So no girls, just boys. <laughs> okay, you understand what I'm I saying. <laughs> so, so as much as possible, first and foremost, you have to let people trust you. 
trust your platform. Afterwards, once you trust them, next thing you get to do is, especially if you're an offline store trying to transcend into an online store, next thing you have to do is that the, the experience you're making them have in your store when they walk into your store, as much as possible, give, that them, give them that same experience online. Um, you see, um, in your store, your store is very smart. Your, your store, on, um, your on, offline store is very smart. People walk in, people can do everything. It's beautiful. But when you get to your online store, it's not fully customized. It's not the, you've not spoken to people to do reviews on your site to check, okay, how, is, does it, how good is this? Especially when it comes to millennials. Millennials, when they're, they, if your website is loading too slowly, they're walking away. Very true. If it takes, it might even be your internet fault, but it might not even be the website itself. But they're just moving on next. If you notice that a lot of people on social media, if they want to open a video, once it's taking more than five seconds to boot, they move on to the next one. So the same thing is happening on e-commerce sites also. So first and foremost, for them to trust you, they're taking a chance on you. Give them reasons to take a chance on you. They trust you. They take that risk. Once they do that, then they can come into the system. But coming into the system, you have to keep them there. Or else you're going to have a lot of abandoned carts. People will come in. They will check. They like what they see. But because they don't trust you enough, they will take that same picture from what you want. Go and look for it on Instagram and buy it on Instagram. So, um, I hope I've answered your question. Yes, you have. Yeah. Thank you very much. So, like, trust and a good experience are the key indicators of the that's, complete. That's the key. You yeah. have to give people good experience across board. You can't yeah. think it's just something that it's just it's one of no. Retention has to happen, and for that to happen, the experience has to be good. If somebody's trying to shop on your site and you see them, uh, their first transaction they're doing on your site is uh, it's a failed financial transaction um, or... Your card, your card just gets hooked, your money is taken, and then in between, once your money is taken, then it doesn't return back to the site. And then there's a problem. The user, user experience is bad. People will not come back. And the reviews will just keep spreading right from there, and it just becomes bad for you. Thank you very much, Sunday. So let's talk about trust from a payments perspective. Yes. So, Khadija, what are um, the risks and challenges of e-commerce trust from a payments perspective? Um, so I find this trust topic very interesting because you find people shopping on Instagram, sending money to people they've never even seen or met and hoping that they will get the goods. But then we say, um, you know, e-commerce isn't growing because of a lack of trust. So, I, I mean, I don't necessarily agree that it's a trust issue, especially regarding the payment side of things. Um, however... I do know that for people to pay you for something, they believe that you're going to deliver. Um, one of the reasons that you find a lot more people comfortable with paying for stuff on Amazon or with PayPal is because they believe that if they complain or if there's any dissatisfaction with the service they've received, they will get a refund. So my perspective is that the value-added services around you know, operations or dispute management or things like that are really the ways to influence people um, from adopting some of these channels. I'm pretty sure when the ride-sharing apps came into the country, it was like, oh, why would I just put my card here and then take a ride? And then what if they debit me more? What if they debit me less? But if you know that you can complain if there's an issue and your money will come back to you, then, I mean, what the heck? You might as well, you know. And you see... Um, regulators rallying around that principle by saying, if we're really pushing for a cashless economy, we need people to adopt electronic channels. Now, incentivizing people can only take you so far. You can run all the promos, 
you know, give away, buy one, get one free, 50% all, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, they're going to run out of money. Um, so how else can you say, okay, you know what, just give us the benefit of the doubt. Try it at least once, and we're going to make sure it works. And then even if it doesn't work, there's a fail-safe in place to make sure that you get your money back within 24 hours. Um, I think that, that that's kind of like the paradigm shift we need to approach it from that perspective and make sure that as a business owner, your products are like of the right quality, you deliver what you present. I mean, I'm not going to pick out a nice dress and then I get it and it's like, what is this, you know? So that's, that's one part. But then the flip side is just make sure that from the payment perspective, your payment solution is secure and then your operations are tight so that if ever anybody has any issue, you can fix it. Thank you very much. So quick question. She mentioned something about sending money to people you don't know. Have we thought that that's weird? Like you don't know somebody, you just wire them money and you have complete and utmost faith in them. So I want to ask questions. How many people have shopped on e-commerce platforms in the last one year? The last one year. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Please raise your hands. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Okay, good. Great. E-commerce. So how many people have shopped on Instagram in the last one year? Like bought stuff on Instagram and paid somebody on Instagram? I've been paid, paid, bought and paid, yeah. Just bought something off Instagram. Yes. You can't pay on Instagram necessarily, but just you bought something off Instagram. Please, can I see your hands, please? I can't see from here. Okay, one, two, three, um, three. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Okay, so I want to ask quick question. Now, why did you trust this person enough to pay them? I mean, did you know them? How were you able to trust them enough to pay them? Mostly because I saw reviews from other customers that they were legit, and um, that was good enough for me. I mean, but you know people buy reviews, right? Okay, did you think about that? You got your goods, right? That's all that really matters. Thank you very much. Um, okay, Onida, privacy and security concerns are major barriers for e-commerce in Nigeria. I mean, that's still like an umbrella discussion that covers what we're talking about now. What do you think about that from a general perspective? Um, from the retail side, that's from gift cards. Um, it's pretty, as long as you, you state your terms as clear as possible and you're transparent, I believe it shouldn't be an issue. As long as you state your terms to, I'm, 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 can you, can you go through the question okay, again, sir? Just generally, just like sure. privacy and security concerns mm -hmm. regarding with, in, in regards to e-commerce in Nigeria. Okay. Like, they are a major problem. You know, like, that's like the umbrella discussion of what we've been talking about since okay. everybody's concerned about, oh, what happens to my financial, um, details, what okay. happens, oh, will I be scammed and mm -hmm. boys, like Tunde mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. Okay, so that, that's normal. I, I have that, um, sometimes when I want to buy from other people, but, at the end of the day, you, when you compare prices, and because a lot of people do that, when they compare prices or they compare items online and they say, oh, this is better, you would want to take a chance. Okay. So after checking reviews and seeing, sometimes 
you also have the option of reaching out to customer support on the site and talking to them, feel comfortable. So if your customer support is right on the site or on your social platforms or whatever, people will feel comfortable to say, okay, maybe I can try it. And if you're, if you're available to always talk them through the process, it also helps very much. Yeah, so basically then also as regards um, security, maybe you mean fraud, cyber crimes and all of that. It's something that still needs work. You, you can't totally rule it out. But over time, I feel like it would, it would even out. Yeah. Thank you very much. So, Ketura, from a personal perspective now on your business, how have you been able to handle these challenges with your customers? Which of the challenges? Privacy and security concerns. Um, first of all, um, we use people like Paystack and Rave. So it's their problem to worry about what happens to your card. Although we do say that if anything happens, then, you know, like you mentioned, you get your money back. Of which, I mean, sometimes there are downtimes. <laughs> and then, um, but most people you see, if, if, if you look at the, um, the trial error or the, the trying error, the try, the trying, um, period, um, some, you might have one failure and you might see that when they try again, it succeeds. So that, that could be network. That could be something along the line. Um, so we don't, we don't store your cards, first of all. Um, your payments are secured. Um, and it, with each, the only issue we would find is your personal information. That, that is non-transactional. It's not your bank details, not your card. So it's more like your name, your address, your phone number. Um, those are secured on our platform. So we tell people that, you know, when you, you should shop with confidence because from end to end, we've made sure that, you know, you would have a secured experience. However, we're not saying that, you know, there's not people that are smarter than us yeah. that can bypass all these things. Boys. <laughs> Boys. <laughs> these days, girls too. <laughs> this is girls too. Um, so your information, your, your personal information is secured from end to end. Um, that is something that, um, we take very, um, seriously. Um, and we ensure that, you know, where our, you know, where our, your information is hosted is also secured as well. So we're not going to go with cheaper options. Yeah. We go with more expensive options that are always that not because they're expensive, but because they're secure. Um, so that is what we've done to be able to um, boost um, um, trust and confidence in our platform. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, Tunde, I think it's interesting that e-commerce in Nigeria has grown to an extent where people are willing, I mean, regardless of the trust issue, right, people are willing to pay 400,000 naira to buy an iPhone online. You know, people are willing, yes, I mean, people pay a few hundreds of thousands for phones on e-commerce sites. And just generally, people being able to shell out money for electronics and whatnot, you know. So, like, still from a personal perspective, a product perspective, um, for a retailer that is into products that are not groceries, clothes, that, you know, there's kind of money that you lose. You'd be like, ah, natural way money, but this, I can forget it. You know, people that uh, have goods and do that are not true way money, how have you been able to convince your customers to buy your goods online without having this fear? Um, uh, first things first is that um, the payment solution has to be designed in such a way that it is secure, it's fast, 
And at the same time, it doesn't change the regular lifestyle the customer lives before he started shopping from you. Remember, retailing is, we are going from offline to online. So that means that you can walk into your shop or you can just come to your house. That you, for those that don't have shops, you have friends that come to your house and they just pick from you. And they pay you that same spot also. So whatever payment solution you are deploying on your site, if you are, if you are using your own site or you are working with a marketplace site or whatever the case may be, and you are just a vendor or a merchant on, on the site, the solution deployed on that site must always be fast, must be secured. At the same time, it must not allow you to change too much about your regular lifestyle. So I want, you come to my shop offline, I give you my POS, you insert your card, it's done. Boom. So the same thing should apply online. And that's why solutions like Paystack, solutions like Remita for some sites, solutions like um, QuickTeller. So it's, 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 they, they work. So, and, but of course, all everybody needs to keep optimizing their system. One, for security reasons. Like she said, there are people that are getting smarter to find ways to buy, to boycott whatever things you put in place. But um, for, for me, um, moving from offline to online takes a few steps you need to put in place. First things first is understand why you want to go offline. Or go online, sorry. Once you understand why you want to go online. And it's not because some businesses don't actually thrive online. Yeah. Some do. So you need to understand your own target audience. Um, I, I know someone that, that, that gave a story about um, his fish business. Ah, okay. he, he sells fish, and the fish he sells, he doesn't package it at all. He just puts it in this transparent nylon. And normally when he started, he was selling about 100 packs per day. Wow. And he moved to the point where he was selling 500 packs per day. Wow. And his farm couldn't support it again, and he started getting from other farms also. So to step it up a bit and, you know, to take it, off, take it online, he started packaging it and putting a sticker name on it, and then started selling it on his website. He noticed that he wasn't picking up at all. Even after, okay, they said try ads again, and he kept trying ads. It wasn't working that way. Because, and even the people that were buying offline from him were reducing, because there was a mentality that said that once you start putting labels and packaging your food somehow, it's going to be more expensive. Yeah, your, your, your really, the ones don't matter again. Uh-huh, yeah, so... Yeah. so, so so you have to understand that. So understanding that once you're ready to go from offline to online, you know that you've gotten that right, you've gotten that pegged already, then move to the next stage. Okay, what platform do I want to use? How do I want to go online and offline? I go to um, a sister site that already has a platform. I just become a merchant on the site, or I just create my own from ground up. But all of that has to be determined. Like you created yours from ground up, right? But there are people that are selling off multiple other sites. So it depends on how that site has their own payment platform. They have their own payment solution. But it must be quick. You must be quick because that experience you're having offline, you have to find a way to optimize it and make it better online. And that's that's something. And I know people like Facebook have got it covered, and many other people are also doing as good as they are, if not better. Thank you very much. Okay, so Khadija, we've heard a lot of payments, payments, payments as like the foundation of best practices. And in hearing payments, we've had a lot of pay stack, pay stack, pay stack. What do you think the end users want in terms of payments innovation? I mean, this might be a bit futuristic, and you know. I mean, I don't, I don't think any user just wakes up and says, "I want to pay." You know, what they want to do is access the goods and services that someone else is providing, um, and they want to do it in a way that is convenient and, you know, like you said, I guess quick and won't cause any additional issues, you know. So um, I guess the way we see it at Paystack is, like, let's just make sure that however the customer wants to pay, that option is available. Um, as we go into areas of more cutting-edge technology, um, our job is to 
keep up, I guess, and um, add those options on our gateway. Um, of course, without uh, compromising on security and, you know, there's the endless debate between security and user experience. Of course, I want to just go to your site and once I click on the dress, I mean, take your money and give me the dress. But if I do that, then anybody else can do that as well. So how do I, how, how do I make sure that that payment is secure enough to identify that it is Khadija that's initiating the transaction without also stressing me, you know, put your fingerprints, what's your mother's maiden name, what's your grandmother's last name, and all that drama. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, but ultimately, I think it's, um, I think people are more interested in the services that, you know, that, that, that are being provided, um, more so than the payment engine, if you know what I mean, except you're a business owner. And then it's just to make sure that as technology evolves, um, whatever payment method um, is, is, is relevant at the time is available on, on Paystack as well. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, let's send it. I think also to answer your question, saying what do users want, and uh, what do, and users could come as I'm the retailer, I own the shop, I want something also from people like from financiers, and also the, um, the the buyer also wants something. And I think part of what everybody wants, okay, as a business person, part of what I would want is uh, somebody pays for a service through your through my payment system, and I get my money as fast. When I mean as fast, as fast as possible, no, it doesn't have to be T plus one. Um, that means settlements. Business, you know, it's a, as a business person, I'm, now I'm talking from the business because we have people here that also want to, want to go from offline to online. Yeah. So part of what the big, I, I've been to a store that does huge um, um, turnover every day in cash, but they'd rather do cash than do point of sale POS. So if you yeah. tell them, where's your POS? They tell you, why? I'm going to the market to go and buy the meat for tomorrow. I'm going to the market tomorrow to go and buy the rice. If they pay me today, I won't get my money till T plus one, 24 hours after or yeah. 12 hours, depending on the time it is. And for a lot of business, so for some business persons, that cannot work for them yeah. because the kind of business they run, it's high volume and they need to always have cash at hand. So if someone pays you now, it should be in my account in maybe one hour max, settlement times. I'm just saying, but that's the future. Okay. That's the future. Just like, so what, what makes it different from someone that, if I send you a message on WhatsApp, you get it immediately as long as there's network. Yeah. I'm just saying, so what, would, what is stopping finance from start moving towards that line bit by bit? It's not going to be instant, but moving bit by bit from just... Paying once, as a business person, I want to go to market tomorrow. I need that money tonight so I can send to the boys so when they are playing the container. But by tomorrow morning, it's too late already because it's affecting every other thing. So I want it immediately. So that's the future. I think that's the future whereby people can pay. And me as a retailer, I'm getting in my account. Maybe I only have five, in, five, stock in, uh, five of the units in, in inventory. And um, immediately I get the money. I'm calling my, my supplier again. I need another five. I'm getting more. But if I have to wait till the next time somebody comes to buy more again, I don't have any on ground. I'm just so that's the future. I think that's part of the future. I, as a retailer, will be asking for so that when I'm going from offline to online, life is easy for me. Okay, so Khadija, that's the question asked. So what is stopping this from happening? Okay, so if actually the question is, what do businesses want from their payment solution provider, um, as opposed to customers, right? So this is what we see. Um, it's it's majorly three things. So the first thing is businesses want to be able to get started with, you know, whatever payment solution they want to use. Don't stress them. Don't let it be hard to use. Don't let them have to hire a developer from India to do that integration for them. Don't let it take three months. You know, that's one. Um, the other thing is businesses want a payment solution that works. Um, I always say your excuses are boring, right? Like, if it's not boring, there's always a reason why things won't work. 
but just make it work. Like whatever you need to do, make sure it works. Um, the third thing is around, um, what I'll just say information on, on, on what's happening payment wise. Businesses want to know who is paying, what they're paying for, when they, when they made that payment and how much they paid primarily. If you can provide those details, what you're doing is you're adding value to the business because they don't have to hire a room full of people to do payment confirmation. Okay, you just transferred 5,000 now. Okay, let me check. And then they call the finance, per, the finance person that has access to the account. Then they confirm the payment and then they call the logistics person to deliver. So you want to empower the businesses to eliminate all of those problems. The, the last thing, which is in line maybe with what you're saying, is just around finances altogether. Of course, it goes without saying that if you're using a payment solution, they have to make sure that you get your money um, in a timely fashion. Um, we haven't really seen a push towards like quicker settlement. I think everybody just kind of understands the way it works, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't mean that it can't be improved. So that's one. Um, also, there are a few merchants that are very price sensitive. If your margins are low, then there's only so much you can afford in terms of um, fees to like a payment provider or, or whatnot. But those are really the minority compared to you know all 17,000 merchants that we serve. Um, yeah. Okay, so Ketura, do you think um, e-commerce payment innovations are satisfactory assets? Do you think e-commerce payment solutions and innovations are satisfactory as they are currently? I think it's usable. It can be better. Better because my, I mean, I'm coming from a more advanced um, background, right? Because I lived in Asia for many, many years. So the future that we're talking about already exists. It existed five years ago when I was living there. So when people talk about future of payment, future in Nigeria, future of this, I'm like, mm, great. Uh, <laughs> because that future would looking already lived. It was the past for me. And I'm hoping to bring, you know, it fast forwards to now. So a lot of things that, you know, we're looking at, I mean, like she mentioned, um, it's functional. People understand how it works. Doesn't mean it can't be improved. Um, I mean, if you, if you look, if you look at what is happening in Asia, Southeast Asia especially, I remember my landlady once telling me to pay her rent. I should pay my rent. Do I have WeChat? I'm like, I'm not paying you via WeChat. I need receipt, man. Like, <laughs> what the heck is WeChat, you know? But that, that was how she wanted to get paid, right? From an app where I could chat with, I don't know, one, two billion people around the world. I could get paid. I could buy stuff. I mean, you go to... You go downstairs to this little shack that is sell, I don't know, all kinds of Chinese food and you can pay with your WeChat or you can pay with your Alipay or you can pay with whatever. And it's just like transfer. You know, it's just, it's just right there. Like <laughs> it, that payment works. So, um, right now what we have is functional. It works, but it doesn't mean it can't be improved. Right. Because sometimes there are, there are some, there are certain products that you build that people don't know they want yet until it comes to them. Right. And that's, that's, the, that's the future of payments that we're looking at. So, yes, it, I mean, it's functional. It works. I can, I mean, it's a better improvement from what we had five years ago. And, and it's much safer than bank transfer. Please don't bank transfers. <laughs> but, yes, that's, um, that, that's, that's what my thought. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so we've talked to the innovator. Yes, that's your code name. We've talked to the retailer and retailer. Now, from an end user perspective, what do you want from payments innovations? I need one person, two people. What do you want from payments generally? Should I come to you? I will come to you. Thank you. 
Hi, good morning, sir. What do you want from payments innovations? Sir? Okay, so who? Somebody, somebody, somebody help me. Okay, Adewale. What do you want from payments innovations? Okay, so uh, good morning, everyone. I know uh, speakers are chatting. Hi, guys. Okay, so mine is actually, I think you guys, I want a bit of honesty. Uh, to be sincere, I know we know there's challenges with payment. Most of this technology are just going on. I mean, they are new. For example, I, was, I saw a data maybe yesterday or just this week, and the number of ATM alone that uh, actually didn't, that balance the transaction that didn't go through was actually huge. But when you make payment online, when some things, when a lot of things happen, it, it takes long process to get the money back. But if there is a way to communicate all these honesties, to be sincere, uh, there's some date, there's some things we know, which is, uh, you guys are dealing with some people trying to fraud the system. They are trying to defraud the system, trying to actually go through some back end. But I think honesty, you guys be open with it and users actually know that we really trust you. You are not like the banks that everything is just abracadabra. Thank you. He wants honesty. So, yeah, contribution. What do the end users want? So he said summarily, we want honesty. They, he wants honesty, Mr. Adewali Yusuf. Yes, thank you. Um, so, Onida, let's talk. Yeah. Okay. So, how do you think banks, corporate organizations, SME can work together? to drive innovations in payments. Um, so it's really about, so for, I don't know about banks, but for, for us, what we do is basically, um, so I'll, I'll just take you through a background of what gift cards are. So you, you want to give someone a gift and rather than send the person a shoe or a bag, you can send them a gift card. Now, based on how they're feeling at that point in time, they can decide that, oh, okay, I want to use the gift card maybe to pay for my bills or to pay for my school fees or to buy something I really need. Now, for a bank or for a bank to partner with us, we'll be looking on what more can you offer. Do you understand? So... We want to be able to access, um, we want to be able to access, um, use our cards to access everywhere. So right now we have POSs in different stores where we've partnered with different banks to be able to, you know, swipe wherever you go to, to use our cards. So that's the kind of partnership that we're looking for basically. Something that we can always work with other businesses because we, we are, we're a marketplace where we can work with other businesses and banks to make transactions seamless, basically. Okay, so basically you're saying you want them to bring more value so that yeah. these payment solutions will be able to use across the board, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, um, thank you very much. So, Khadija, there is, um, how do you think competition affects 
payment innovation in Africa. To be honest, I personally, that's personal opinion, I don't think there is a lot of competition, but there is competition. And how do you think it affects payment innovations in Africa as a whole? Um, I think that generally competition forces people to do better um, around innovation, you know, service delivery, and just ultimately value, you know. Um, I don't think we're doing enough in Lagos, Nigeria, Africa, you know, whatever. I mean, you heard what Ketura was saying about how fast things have evolved in Southeast Asia. Um, we're barely scratching the surface. So the market is large enough for a number of players. Um, I genuinely believe so. And I think that the more people try um, to solve these problems, collectively we'll all be better for it. Um, Paystack is focusing on solving the merchant's problem, for example. You need somebody to help the banks. You need somebody to help the consumers. You need somebody to help the business owners in like optimizing for online operations. You know what I mean? So there are many problems in Nigeria. Um, exactly. So, I mean, there's, there's, I want people to solve those problems. So the more the merrier, I would say, at least for now, um, um, yeah, because ultimately there's, there's, there's a lot of value that can come into the system. There's a lot of value that you and I can enjoy. If you don't have people focusing on solving those problems, then we're just going to be stuck with those problems forever. So I, I don't think the competitive landscape is, um, what's the word? Vast enough? Well, I guess. Like, I don't think there's, there's enough happening, yeah. if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Um, how do you see this competition in the nearest future? Because the truth is, from limited knowledge, I know that this payments landscape, especially in Nigeria, it's a little bit rocky. It's a rocky terrain. So how do you see competition coming into the market? Because like you said, competition betters things. It makes a lot of things easier because they will probably figure out things you have problems figuring out. So how do you think competition will play out in the nearest future? Do you think there will, they will exist? Do you think, you know, how do you think it will go generally? Um, I think it's already here. I've, I've spoken to a lot of interesting startups that have very big plans. And, you know, it's going to be amazing. Um, some people are focusing on primarily. Some people are focusing on solving the problems with larger payments, you know, operations and people like that. Some people are focused on optimizing government payments. There's insure tech, there's reg tech. Like people are trying to do all kinds of things. So um, the the future is here, I guess, if I can borrow your line. Um, over the years, we will see some of these things materialize. I'm, I'm rooting for them. I hope that um, a lot of it is successful, but it's it's no longer, you know, what does the future hold? The future is here. Um, I guess there's a day one, and then it's like baby steps up until how does up until you blow, you know? So that's yeah, bored. that's uh, that's that's the space that a lot of those guys are in right now. So in the next year or two, we'll, we'll start seeing them. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, catch you. I think uh, in Nigeria, Africa, we're we're scared of competition. I think that's the first problem. Right, we're scared. We don't like competition because we're used to, you know, one per yeah monopolies. You know, there's only one Dangote that produces sugar. You know, <laughs> um, pasta, everything, just like one Dangote. And if you're trying to come in as a little fish, you ultimately get killed. 
um, because it's a market where people don't like competition. But like she said, we need to embrace competition because competition makes things better, right? And um, there's only, I mean, there, there's only so much one company can solve. So um, it's, how I see the future is going to be is everyone is going to solve a specific problem. And in the future, we're going to see a lot of mergers because m some or most of these companies will plateau and they would have emerges or mergers would have to happen. That's the way I see the future. So it's great, you know, people should solve specific niche problems because I believe that niche markets are the future. Um, eventually, we would see a lot of mergers or acquisition, and that is fine as well because you have, you know, you've solved a need, and now, you know, the best way for us to go is not to compete with each other but to work together. That is the future of payments, in my opinion. Okay, thank you very much. That's really interesting. Niche markets are the future. I, I like that. Um, how long has your business been online? Um, so two plus years. Okay. So you've been online. What do you think are the challenges mm -hmm. of a largely offline business, summarily, getting online in the Nigerian context? Okay. So um, a lot of you might not know what we do. I don't think I did a proper um, introduction yet. But we're a marketplace, right? Um, we started as a marketplace. Um, if you ask me what we are today, I would say we are, you know, a, you know, an electronic company, an e-commerce company that combines inventory management, order fulfillment system, and the marketplace technology. So the reason why we've moved away from just providing the marketplace technology is because we know that these guys can sell. They can sell fire. Have you tried... I've, somebody tried selling you coconut chips on your window while you're driving. Yeah. Nigerians know how to sell. True. So selling is not our problem. It's now sales channels. How can I access more sales channels? How can I manage my inventory? A lot of these guys don't know that they need to manage their inventory better. And, the, you know, because tomorrow they'll be like, ah, we can't get loans from bank. Nobody will invest in us. But your books, I mean, you, you've been in business for five years. You're turning over. I know someone who's, she's doing a turnover of five million when, per month when it's bad. All she sells is Ankara bags. The maximum she sells is 5K. You go there, you see like 1K, 2K, 3K, 5K. Every month when the business is bad, she's doing 5 million per month. That's not, that's not a bad business at all. And then you'll be surprised. She's been in business for five plus years. How she manages her stock or inventory is that nice book and pen that is about to tear. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the reality of what we, you know, of what we've seen. Right? So if you're trying to move from an, an, you know, from an offline to an online business, there's so many things you need to consider. He's mentioned something like, are you going to build the tech from scratch? I wouldn't advise that. Not because I have a marketplace, but because it's just a pure waste of time. And at the end of the day, you'll be spending more. Because guess what? You need to hire a developer. Even if you find someone who's just learned how to code, you know, who's oh, I'm a developer, and then build it for you for 50K. You still have to renew domain name. You still have to host it. You have to maintain because he will charge you 50k and then tell you, okay, monthly, yearly uh, maintenance will be like 100k. It's 150k. Minus hosting, no. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you would have done Pennywise found foolish. So I always tell people when you're trying to start out, don't try to build from scratch. Just leverage on 
whatever already exists. When you become a Zara tomorrow, feel free, have your own thing. But even a Zara will still sell on Amazon because guess why? People don't want to have so many accounts. I mean, I was reading statistics the other day that said 95% of American families have one Amazon account that everybody uses. I, I mean, I asked my friends, where do, you, where do you buy groceries, Amazon? Where do you buy phones, Amazon? Where do you buy laptops, Amazon? Like, do you even go to the malls anymore? They don't. They shop online, right? So as Nigerian business, if you're, if you're, if you're a retailer, if you have a physical or a brick and mortar store, or even if you're just trying to start out, I would say leverage on or existing or aggregated or integrated platforms like mine that already exist, right? Creating a store is not, is not rocket science. You know, it's easy. You know, you need to figure out, you need to also worry about, like, logistics. How am I going to deliver? How am I going to, you know, handle payments? I think that has been flogged today. Um, fulfillment. How do I fulfill? How do I deliver products? That's still an issue, and that's something that we're solving because really it was a huge problem for us for the first year and a half. We couldn't find a solution. We couldn't. I mean, you know, somebody would tell you, oh, if you're delivering, you know, Lagos, they'll tell you, oh, within Lagos, 1,000 naira. Okay, so I'm trying to send to Ikorodu. Ah, that's not Lagos. That's like 2,000 naira. No, you have to, you know, so like we solved the problem for us. And like, you know what, there are tons of people out there that need this, need having the same problem. So we open it. I mean, if you're a business, innovation comes with, okay, somebody has a problem. I have the solution. Might as well just provide it for Right? So we have a product called FBQ, Fulfillment by Ketura, right? It's modeled after FBA, which is Fulfillment by Amazon. We know you sell on multiple channels. It's okay. We will still help you fulfill it. We know you sell on multi- multiple channels. It's okay. You can still manage all your inventory on your account, your merchant account on Ketura.com. So, like, there, there are so many, the, all these problems that people, that the merchants, um, are, are, are facing uh, what we've built out our solutions around and for them. So as, as a business, you always want to solve problems that, you know, that are real, not problems that you think, you know, would exist or can exist. So, you know, fulfillment, you know, getting online, managing your inventory, um, that is, those are the key problems you need to worry about. And even like sales promoting, I think people... I don't think selling is our problem, to be honest. <laughs> I think if you have something, you know, you would know how you figure it. Yeah, you figure out to sell it. You figure out to sell it. Thank you very much, Katura. Thank you, um, Khadija. Thank you, Tunde. Thank you, Oyinda. And um, so this brings our session to a close. But yeah, we're going to take a few questions. Um, okay, we're going to take a few questions. Um, so um, you ask questions and direct your questions to the speaker you are asking. And please be brief, be straight to the point, and be brief and be straight to the point. Thank you. So I'm going to go first with Adewale. So uh, my question is actually for every one of the speakers on the stage. What's actually your company current challenge? Because I know every company has one. What is actually the primary one you guys are facing now? And maybe if you can actually mention how you are dealing with it. Thank you. Okay. Companies, challenge, and how you are dealing with it. Who wants to go first? Cool. 
Hmm? People talent. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Okay, we can probably all answer it. I mean, every company has a challenge. Um, not technical, non-technical talents. Um, because, I, I, I mean, it was initially, but it's not anymore. So I've solved that. So now it's non, it, it's more of um, specific roles. So someone to assume, you know, head of product, for example, someone to assume the role of, like, um, uh, distribution of fulfillment, someone to assume the role of, like, um, business development. So those specific roles are, you know, things that are, are areas where I'm finding, finding challenges. Um, for us, um, part of challenges we've faced, of course, is um, always funding for people. If you're a startup, there's always a chance that you're going after funding. And so funding is always a challenge. But if you, and, but if you do um, put your business right, and you've had a few solutions under you, or you've had a few wins under you, you can always sell your proposition right, and you always get people to fund you. Of course, part of what we've done is not just, um, that's our own problem internally, but part of what we've done uniquely is, everything we've discussed here today is because there's a platform for people to shop online. And we are a mobile phone company, so our, and we know that um, financial inclusion will not happen without digital inclusion. Digital inclusion will not happen unless there is a mobile smartphone adoption that is quickened in Nigeria. In the U.S. and Southeast Asia that you're talking about there, there's over 78% smartphone adoption there. Nigeria is less than 30%. So that means that we still have a long way to go. So that means that for us, our vision is to put as much smartphones in people's hands because part of what we believe in is that smartphone might be the only computer a basic African might use all their life. Because most Africans don't really have access to a full PC, desktop, or laptop. The smartphone might be the only computer they have. That means that for them to do all the things we've all discussed here, for them to shop online, for them to, yeah, so mobility is the way. And for us, that's why we are, what we are doing, and I know you know some of our projects we are doing now, is to try, try and find smarter ways to have, to increase smartphone adoption across the country and, and Africa as a whole. So that's part of what we've been trying to do. Thank you very much. Um, I think for us, it's two major areas. One is finding the right talent. Um, that Paystack is as, as much about being a culture fit as it is about having the right functional skills. So that's, that's been very challenging for us. Um, the other thing is scaling the infrastructure. So you're running a business and you have all these users, but you need to effect some changes on the rails they are riding on. So doing that um, consistently without disrupting your existing service. Yeah. Winda, do you want to answer? Okay, please. Um, so it's for us as a gift card company, it's um, people seeing us beyond just gift cards. So you can use gift cards to pay for practically anything. But because people think it's strictly, they, they tend to limit it towards gifting. And basically we're trying to expand our merchant um, base to be able to accommodate more merchants so people can do whatever they want with their gift cards, basically. Thank you very much. Um, we have questions. Somebody, he asked first. So please, concise and quickly. Thank you. Hi. I know we already talked about the solutions around the payments. Like we have Paystacks and Co. who are providing solutions with respect to payments. Now, the major issue I think I have is around quality. Let's say, for instance, someone selling on Jumia or Conga 
and by the time you buy, you pay, and you get your order, and it's way, way below the quality you expected. So I'm just wondering, is there anything being done in the line? Uh, I didn't catch your name. You said something about you um, procuring and delivering for people or something. So now I know you, your brand is one way or the other attached to that delivery you're making. So is there anything you're doing in that line with respect to quality of you know, what people are probably selling or delivering through your platform? Thank you. Uh, so if you're, so we have two kinds of merchants, I guess. Um, those who sell on our marketplace and those who don't, who just make use of our um, delivery platform. So if you are, usually it would be the merchant that would request for a delivery to be made um, if they're using our um, fulfillment platform. So we don't get involved in like products. We don't get involved. We don't, we don't even do cash. We don't take cash for you. Sort out your payments beforehand and we just fulfill, which is why I never said we're a delivery platform. I said we were a fulfillment platform because we fulfill orders, get it from A to B and that's it. Right. Um, what what our promise is on that aspect is you would get if it's you know within Nigeria within three days it will be delivered to your customer. If it's anywhere in the world within five days you get it to your customer. Of which anywhere in the world is two days, but in, in Nigeria you manage expectations a lot. <laughs> so we say five days. Sometimes we even say seven days. We arrive in two days and everyone's happy. So um, you know you over deliver basically. If um, when sales are made on our marketplace, um, you as a customer, you can be sure that that um, brogues you ordered that is burgundy in color is going to come exactly as the picture, you know, said it would. Question being, um, fact being that every seller on our platform has been vetted, right? So we've done due diligence of these people um, they, we have terms and conditions that these merchants must abide by. If you, in a case, maybe ordered blue and without orange, you would get a full refund or you get a replacement. So that is a promise to you, right? So you can shop with confidence that whatever you order will come to you as is, as was advertised to you. So quality, yes, we're huge on quality. Um, so a vetted seller would mean we've gone through, are you a legit business? Are you, you know, is your product of the right quality? Because that's what we're promising to people. Because we tell people you can find made in Nigeria products that are of high quality. That is our promise, right? So um, when, you know, we, as much as possible, do our very best, our very, very, very best to make sure that we always fulfill our promise to you. So that's that's how we've been able to handle it. And I think that's what makes us special. <laughs> Thank you very much. Her name is Ketura. So please... Let, let me, let me, let me, let me chip a point in. Okay. Um, you see, if a, if a vendor, a merchant is bad, trust me, you're not the first person they're doing it to, and that means they've done it to someone else out there. If you're going to be buying also, which is what most millennials are doing now, they see what you like, or let's say, let's pick a junior you like, for instance. You see that merchant, you see that name. Next thing you most likely they will do is they copy that name and they, are Google, they will Google the person. Most likely that same person will be available on Gigi. That person most likely will have cooked beans, permit me to use such a word, somewhere else. Somebody will have reviewed him badly. So you check, and that's what happens with millennials nowadays. They, they don't just shop. 
They don't just shop. They, they check. They check. They read reviews. I, I, you, you don't agree? Oh, man, this brother has been born a lot. Yeah. Again. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but bottom line is this, which is, of course, for someone like me, I'm, I'm going offline, from offline to online. I tell people that first thing you have to do is that you have to always watch the reviews people write about you. You have to be able to reach out to customers as fast as possible and solve their problems. So that even if what I supply to you is not what you asked for, it's not that deep. I can ask you to, re- I, I can return it back. You can ask you to return it back to me and I pay you your money back because my integrity is at stake. And in the business world, there's nothing else you have to sell than your name. So for me, that's, that's, how I tell, that's what I tell people. So if you're dealing with people that, merchants that don't, and the problem of course is that a lot of people should not be in business and they're in business because they, they have poor business attitudes. They, and that means that their offline business itself is a reflection of what is happening to them online. Whatever you're seeing online, the reflection is happening offline. So whatever they're doing now, they've been doing it for a long time and they've been getting away with it. If the sites, the platform that, that is owned, you report it right to them, you can return it and they'll pay your money back. I'm sure some of these sites you have mentioned have good return policies for some of these products. And when you return it, they actually give you your money back and they debit the agent. It happens on all some of these. So the truth is that these are things you put in place as a platform owner, and I'm sure she has done that already. And also for these other platforms also, as a vendor, I'm, I'm the businessman. I want you to buy my business. Everything that is written or said about me, I'm very, very careful about it. Because at the end of the day, someone that, it might even just be an investor when I'm raising funds, just searches your name and the first thing that will come out will be something bad about you. So, so for me, it matters a lot. To add to that, I think as a customer, like you mentioned, you have to do your own due diligence and you have to, you also have to know your rights as a customer on those platforms. So there are provisions. You probably did not know that there were provisions and you just did the Nigerian thing of, mm, I won't shop there again. But the thing is, if you take Uber or Taxify and they charge you high, won't you complain? So why don't you do that for the same other, for other, cause that, that <laughs> why don't you do that as well for other online shopping websites? It's the same thing. Because if you don't complain, platform owners or business owners like us will never know. And then we don't know that it's a problem to fix. So please complain so we can fix the problem. Thank you very much. So next set of questions, introduce yourselves and quickly, please. Okay. My name is Chukwemeka. My question goes to Ketura. You talked about management of inventories for businesses. So my question is this. How do you manage inventories for businesses outside Lagos? So first of all, our platform is online. So you need a phone at basic and internet, right? Um, and you need to create, I mean, you need to create a store and everything else is one, two, three ABC steps. So it's easy. It's accessible. It's stupid simple. I'm not saying this because it's mine. It's stupid simple for you to use. Um, You can talk to me after this. You don't look convinced. (laughs) Yeah, so my name is Raj. My question goes to Kitura. Is there something about leveraging on existing platforms rather than starting off? So I'll just give an instance. Um, InterSwitch, they've been there forever before Paystack. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming if Paystack was to take your advice, they will not be Paystack. It's not because there's always this fear we have starting off. But I think when you face your fears, I mean, like Alibaba, 
Amazon has been there before him. He left, and I think Alibaba is doing way, 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 way well, like good in terms of scale compared to Amazon. So my point, or the question I'm asking is, could you clarify on that, like leveraging on existing platform rather than starting off? Because I think if you start off, there's always that point where you have investors. There's always that point where you break even. There's always that room for growth. So if you don't face your fears and you just relax and keep leveraging on existing platform, when is the time to break out and you know grow? Okay. So first of all, I mean, I think you need to understand what kind of business you're doing and you know what industry you're playing. There are businesses that aren't. I mean, there are businesses that will make be very very profitable, make a shitload of money, but then they are not high growth businesses, right? So, right. So, um, if you, I think it, it boils down to if you if you're building a tech business, for example, you gave me the um, case of Paystack and Intersuite. Those are two, you're doing two different things. <laughs> Those are two payment gateway. So, if you if you're studying out, if you have like this, maybe you want to. Here's a free business idea. Somebody should take it up. You want to start, you know, micro insurance um, for companies, people, whatever. However, you want to apply it. It's easier for you to not build from scratch because, first of all, you need to validate if this is actually a need, if it's a want, if it's a hobby, right? You need you need to validate if this is actually a business. Are people going to use my service or my product? You know, is there a market out there? You can't just you can't say, okay, I want to build you know an insurance um, platform for people to be able to insure their phones, insure the shoes, insure how insure anything basically. And then you're like, okay, so I'm going to own the payment gateway. I'm going to own the platform. I'm going. You want to own everything from end to end. Amazon can do that now because they are one trillion worth, right? And even before they became worth this much, they had done a lot of validations. They had built networks. They had, they have validated a lot of things before wanting to own everything. Because you guess what? When you get, when you're in business and you get to a, a point, you're like, why am I paying a pay stack? Or why am I paying, or a pay stack and say, why am I paying, you know, into switch, for example? I can build my own. Because at that point, you can. You have the resources being people, um, capital and time to do that. But if you're trying to, if you're, if you're a shoemaker, for example, you can't say, I mean, I wouldn't advise, you can, but I wouldn't advise you to go build a website first and you haven't even made one pair of shoes. You don't even know if somebody, if anybody will make, will buy your type of shoes. Maybe it's a new type of, maybe it's a new design of shoes. You don't know if people like it. You don't know if this is your market. You don't know. There are so many questions you haven't answered, and you're trying to build tech first. I don't think that's a smart route to go. So I think there's um, basic guiding principles when it comes to things like these. Um, So they always tell you to, as quickly as you can, carry out a riskiest assumption test. So you have this fantastic idea, and it's based on certain assumptions that you've made. I mean, of course, my shoes are going to be beautiful. Of course, people are going to love them. Of course, they're going to make me a millionaire in two months. Of course, I'm going to, you know, move to Banana Island and buy a Range Rover and all those other nice things. But guess what? You need to test that hypothesis as quickly as possible. So what's the quickest way to get there? Look for a web app tool and just create a custom page. Take a picture with your phone and post it out there. 
And then if people start indicating interest, you can behind the scenes start scaling that process. So maybe build your own custom website, hire your own photographer on retainer, hire a workshop full of people. But once you have that idea or initiative, what you want to do is validate those assumptions as quickly as possible. Get your minimum viable product out there, see people interact with it, see if it's fulfilling the objective that you expect it to before you then say, okay, I want to own the entire value chain end-to-end. That's, that's the guiding principle um, behind it. So it's not a hard yes and it's not a hard no. It is, depending on what you're trying to do, what's the quickest way to test your assumptions so that you can build a full-out business um, on that model? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I want you to give a round of applause to our panelists today. Um, I hope you learned more than a thing. And thank you very much, guys, for coming on stage. So this is the end of our panel. Please give me a round of applause, please. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned to our next episode. Subscribe to us at Startup Lagos on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Visit us at www.startuplagos.co.